Hello, brewery fanatics, and welcome back to another episode of Brewery Travels. I'm your host, Joel Geyer, otherwise known as Brewery Travels on social media. And this week, we are going back down to the Southwest and to Albuquerque, New Mexico, a city that I am very excited to profile. It's been one that I've been wanting to touch on for several reasons. And I thankfully now have some amazing guests with me as always today, Chris, Holly, and Leah. And so guys, how about we uh, just get the ball rolling with there's kind of a brief introduction about what got you into beer and how you're part of the beer community. Uh, Holly, why don't you lead us off? Yeah, sure. Thanks so much for having me on, Joel. Um, I'm a freelance drinks writer. I write for publications including Good Beer Hunting, Craft Beer and Brewing, Vine Pair, and Wine Enthusiast. Um, I'm originally from London in the UK, uh, where I first got into car scale whilst at university and uh, found the craft beer scene after that. And I've lived in Albuquerque since 2018 now, and I've really loved exploring the beer scene here. Absolutely. And uh, Leah? Sure. Um, it's Leah Black. And um, I am—I just stepped away at the beginning of this year. I was the first female executive director for the New Mexico Brewers Guild. I held that role just a little over three years. And um, I'm now doing freelance marketing, among other things with real estate and stuff, too. But I've been in the craft beer scene here for, I don't want to date myself, but definitely over a decade. And um, I remember when there were you could count on one hand that there were, the, you know, just under a handful of breweries here in New Mexico, let alone just Albuquerque. So it's amazing to see over a hundred now in the state. Absolutely. And uh, Chris, what about you? Uh, so I'm Chris Jackson. I'm the editor and co-founder of the New Mexico Dark Side Brew Crew. Um, we're an independent website. We cover the beer scene in New Mexico, uh, primarily Albuquerque, Santa Fe, where the bulk of the breweries are. We've been doing this now for about uh, 10 years. And yeah, same thing. I, I met Leah at a little brewery called Hollenbrick um, that no longer exists, but uh, <laughs> that's how. So I've, I've, I've been around the scene for a long time. I moved back here. Grew up here, then moved back in 2008. Um, when I moved back, there was about 20 breweries. And like Leah said, there's now about 100. So it's it's been wild and it's been challenging, but uh, you know, it's also a lot of fun to go around and taste all the different styles and see what everybody's up to. Yeah, I mean, a- absolutely. Well, and, and Chris, you know, who actually wrote the book on the history of, of kind of beer in the area. So let's kind of start with that in terms of how, how has beer kind of, changed and evolved locally over the course of the last, you know, whatever decades and more recently too, because obviously a lot of the changes have happened very rapidly over the last, you know, five to 10 years. Yeah. So, I mean, if if you go back to the beginning, you know, there was a story about a brewery being washed away by a flood in Santa Fe. It it doesn't flood in Santa Fe anymore. Um, And one of the, the first brewery in Albuquerque, the brewer and the owner got into a gunfight in 1884. Um, The brewer did not survive. But, uh, you know, the initial German, the initial breweries here were German, basically. They were German lager breweries. Uh, they were founded by German immigrants. Um, they, you know, the last time closed with Prohibition. Uh, there was a brief appearance by a single brewery in uh, 1937 to 39. At one point, it was owned by Paul von Gontard, who was the uh, son-in-law of Adolphus Busch, of Augustus Busch. And he, um, anyway, they, uh, Anheuser-Busch, I should say. Anyway, the um, the beer scene kicked off here modern, 
kind of in two stages. I call it the microbrewery era followed by the craft brewery era. Uh, microbrewery era was, was started with Santa Fe Brewing in 1988, which opened in a horse barn on uh, Mike Levis's property out in Galisteo on the outskirts of Santa Fe County. Um, they made English style beers, mostly, you know, pale ale, porter, um, nut brown, and then sold them in bottles and kegs. And the first, you know, semi-modern breweries came to Albuquerque. Uh, Assets Grill was a popular restaurant at the time in 1993 when they started brewing beer. And then other places came around, Il Bacino, Kelly's. Um, but the most important one ended up being Chama River, which was an offshoot of Santa Fe's Blue Corn Brewing. And then um, that brewery later inspired Marble. And when Marble opened in 2008, that was the, kind of the launch of the craft beer era. And... Um, since Marble, you know, Marble opened, the other breweries in town were Chama, Kelly's, Il Vicino, and then Tractor was down in Las Lunas. So south of here, Rio Rancho had Turtle Mountain Brewing, and that was it. And now there's uh, 44 breweries operating currently in the metro area. So it's it's grown a lot. Uh, I think people's tastes have changed over the years. Um, you know, uh, we kind of went from a pale ale town to an IPA town to, you know, now it's kind of a mix of... Um, Hazy IPAs, of course, are really popular here, uh, personified best by Gravity Bound Brewing. And then, um, yeah, but I think there's actually a pretty wide variety. There's become a greater appreciation, like a lot of the country, for lagers. And, um, you know, but still, you know, big, dark, strong beers in the wintertime. It's it's a lot of seasonal drinking in, in New Mexico now, at least in my humble opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Leah, so I know that you've obviously been part of the scene now for a while, too. So do you have anything to kind of add in terms of how the scene has developed over the years? Yeah, definitely. Kind of just to echo a little bit of what Chris said, that Chama River Brewing Company has developed so many, not just national uh, meddling brewers, but international. Like we're talking like gold medals at World Beer Cup. It's crazy. That little place, it was a restaurant predominantly with a brewery, um, always made fantastic beer. But the people that came out of there and trained there and were brewers there then went on. How many, Chris, have breweries now? There's four five uh, marble boxing bear la cumbre la cumbre um canteen in a way because oh, that, yeah. that went back to canteen i um, mean bosque and, bosque and um there's five yeah yeah there's, there's at least there's at least five places and then well now you can even say sidetrack because cordell yeah. was an assistant brewer yeah He's in, so like the brewer shuffle. <laughs> yeah. When I first, uh, when I, I used to work in radio and TV and when I first got out of that, I went over, I, I was friends with the Irways who owned La Cumbre. And I said, I'm going to go back to school and figure my life out, you know, as we do. And Jeff Irway was so great. He said, why don't you come work here while you figure it out? And I was like, that's awesome. I love beer. Let's pour beer, you know, <laughs> but it's funny because that first year he opened, that was 2010. Is that right, Chris? And he won out of the gate at GABF gold medal for IPA gold. And it's like the biggest category that they've ever had. And so that just really kicked off a whole new decade. And you know, Marvel was winning before that. And, and it's just been every year, you know, per capita, we're not so high on the list as far as what the Brewers Association rates us. I think we're 10th per capita in the nation as far as consumption of beer Still, that's a lot of beer per person if you break it down for adults over 21. Um, that's like per 100,000 adults or something like that. But every year, just considering we're a big state with a little population, the amount of medals that we bring home 
is pretty remarkable. And, and I, I just have always, I, I'm like, okay, I know we're not biased because now we're winning world beer cups and we're winning, you know, these medals, bringing them home. So I don't know, New Mexico, I really think it's not about quantity, but it's about quality for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Holly, I know that you may not have been around the, the, the local scene as much as Chris earlier. So I don't know, do you have anything to add in terms of what you've seen um, over, over development uh, since you've even been there? Yeah, I, I just think uh, that it's getting better all the time. Um, there aren't new breweries opening all the time. It feels to me like a manageable pace of growth as well. Um, maybe some cities, the scenes can grow so quickly. And I think especially during COVID, I was very worried of what if some of the newly open places don't make it through. But from what I've seen, I think the majority of places have made it through. So, yeah, it's been really nice to see um, steady growth, but also that is at a manageable pace. And um, there's there's definitely like enough business to support it all. Yeah. I like what you say about that, Holly, because I was originally born in Colorado and uh, I've been here for 20 years now. But I feel like that's true when you say it's manageable, because if you go up to Colorado, there's millions of breweries and I love Colorado. There's some amazing breweries up there, but I feel like they might've boomed. And I'm going to just say it. I'm going to be honest. Not every brewery in Colorado is amazing. And and that's everywhere. But I feel like there's so many breweries. It's more about quantity in Colorado, even though not to say there's not amazing breweries up there, but I like what you said about it. it's manageable, the pace that it's growing here. Yeah, for sure. Well, and so, so Holly, sticking with you here, you know, we're going to kind of focus in on, on one brewery in particular. I'm, I'm wearing their shirt right now because it's, you know, I, I, I love a lot of breweries, but there's really only a select few of breweries that I, I truly kind of fanboy over. And mm -hmm. Bow and Arrow is one of them. I, I visited them um, last spring and they had been high on my list of places to visit. And I just instantly, they were instantly one of my top breweries that I, that I had been to. Um, you know, it's owned by Native American women. I just feel that they're a glowing example of what a brew should be in my eyes from the taproom experience to the high quality beer. Uh, you know, they now have a second location. They started a nationwide campaign to brew a beer with the goal of raising funds for Native nonprofits. So what has their presence kind of meant to the local craft beer scene? And what do you think the future holds for them? Well, bow and arrow is great. Um, I didn't know uh, that much about um, barrel-aged and spontaneously fermented beers when I moved here, and uh, I, I got a chance to to learn more about it over the last few years, including by sampling some of their beers, which are always just so fantastic. And um, I, I do think it's it's really great to see them getting some much deserved attention for all the brilliant things they're doing. And uh, the fact that there's been so much buzz around that brewery, I do think it's really helped to uh, raise the profile of Albuquerque as a beer city. So that's really great to see as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chris, what, what, what from your perspective has Bow and Arrow meant to the, beer, to the brewing community and how like they've quickly evolved um, into a, a semi-national recognizable brand? I mean, they're very, you know, they're good at marketing. You know, we got to give them credit for that. Not every brewery is, you know, plenty of breweries make good beer, but they don't know how to market their beer. Um, they've done a good job with that. They've uh, they've definitely tapped into a lot of uh, charitable endeavors. And, um, you know, they, they make a a wide variety of beers. They're, they're good at doing, you know, sort of the, let's add a little local element to it. You know, let's put a little, little their, their Pilsner is blue corn. One of my all-time favorite beers. Yeah, denim tucks. And then, yeah, they, they've just, they've definitely kind of carved out a, a niche for themselves. Um, you know, they're, it's sort of funny though, sometimes, cause you know, 
we've noticed that they get a ton of national attention, but I feel like, you know, and, and I've been there and I've met a lot of people from out of state. Like I, I just met like people from Arizona and Texas who come in there. And it, it's sort of funny sometimes because I almost feel like they get almost more out of state people than in-state. And I, I don't know why that is. I, I, I haven't quite figured that out. Um, you know, their stories on our site don't bring quite as much attention, but um, you know, they've, they've done a good, they've done a really good job. And I think, um, you know, especially with endeavors like the, the native land um, IPA project that you were talking about, that they're doing nationwide with so many other breweries. Um, that one's been a, just a really good thing to see. And, um, you know, they, they have made a, a very solid impact. And I think like Holly said, they're bringing attention to the state. And I think for a lot of people, especially because of their pro- physical proximity to half a dozen other breweries nearby, um, it definitely lends to people going there and then being like, Oh, look, this is right over here. Let's go check it out. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll touch on that here in just a second. But uh, before we do, uh, Leah, do you have anything else to add on bow and arrow? Because again, I don't. It's not often that I draw attention to a specific brewery on my own accord, but this was just one example where I wanted to at least profess that this is truly a brewery that I hold very highly in terms of the beer quality and just overall experience. No, they are legit, and I, of course, because of my background, I know them. I know a lot of the breweries, but um, just really cool people, and uh, I like the element that they do try to mix it up a lot. They, they take risks a lot and they, they're, yeah, their marketing is on point, but the, the um, way that they're able to produce new and exciting things so often, it's like, I, I would love to pick their brains and how far in advance are you planning? Like this is, it's crazy when they're coming out with all these new cans and these new styles. It's, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. So Chris, kind of popping back to you quick here, you, you were kind of bringing up how there's all these breweries that are, that are pretty close by there to bow and arrow. And in, in general, if you look at a map of the area of breweries, there's a pretty high concentration of them around downtown. And then some of the neighborhoods kind of directly to the North. So what kind of approach would you recommend a visitor take who wants to experience the local beer scene? Um, you know, the, the toughest thing for Albuquerque is we don't have great mass transit. So you're, you're kind of, <laughs> you're, you're driving or um, you're going to have to rely on Uber or Lyft, uh, which is preferable if you're going to visit more than three breweries. Um, you know, otherwise I would just say for most people, you know, just kind of, kind of get an idea of like, which are the best ones in town. And um, you know, you can, you can pick up on it pretty quickly as to the, the highest rated ones. And then if you want, you know, pick your styles, you know, who does this best? Um, like I said, you know, bow and arrow does some very unique beers, a lot of spontaneous fermentation beers. Um, you know, La Cumbre is very, and Boxing Bear are very known for their, their big West Coast IPAs. Uh, Gravity Bound's known for hazy IPAs and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, and then just find a cluster of them and just try to hit the cluster. Um, you know, you have the, the breweries in Wells Park, which is where Bow and Arrow is located, as well as uh, Marble, Rio Bravo, Tractor, and Juno and Gravity Bound. Um, and then that, that's the neighborhood right north of downtown. And then, um, you know, downtown proper has Sidetrack, Red Door, Bozy Brothers. Um, and then, yeah, you know, and then the, the rest are, are mostly kind of scattered. You know, you're not gonna, there aren't too many that are super walkable from point A to point B. So again, it's just, you know, you just have to kind of judge for yourself. Like what's the, the best attack pattern you can get um, I would usually tell most people, you know, hit Wells Park, hit the brewery district, which is where La Cumbre and Canteen are. 
and um but make sure you fill up on good food too so you know if you need to stop at nexus or quarter celtic or steelbender you'll get good beer and a big fat 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 meal just like fat meal (laughs) (laughs) uh leo what about you if if, if someone messages you asking you know they have a weekend or they have x number of days in albuquerque what what kind of approach would you recommend they take to check out the local beer scene yeah chris summed it up pretty well i mean those are the main ones that you'll hit um maybe start at one of the the breweries further out how he was saying you know quarter celtic to the east um start somewhere and then work your way to downtown maybe i would say stay downtown find an airbnb find a cool hotel you can walk to because really you know a lot of the ones he mentioned they are walkable um I would just recommend staying. <laughs> Don't leave downtown. Just stay down there. But yeah, visit one or two on the outskirts. You know, Santa Fe Brewery has two really cool um, kind of uh, shipping container. They're part of this like shipping container sort of food yard place where it's a bunch of shipping containers uh, strategically placed on top of each other. And they're different shops, restaurants, and food. Uh, Santa Fe has two tap rooms now on different parts of the, in different parts of the city with really cool balconies and views. So that might be a fun thing to do. I definitely recommend Quarter Celtic, which is a little further east. Um, and, you know, depending on what area of town you want to stay in, really, there's there's a neighborhood that a brewery is not too far away, you know? So you just have to kind of figure out what you want to do. If you want to go hiking and visit the tram up in the Sandia foothills, Boxing Bear has a location up there. Bozy Brothers has a location. You know, there's a lot. So um, but I think if you're in, for, if you're in it to really maximize that weekend time, I really would say stay downtown and walk around just brewery hop. There's like seven that we can tell you right now, seven to 10 in that area. You could ride bikes or walk. Which is, which is really cool. Cause you see that more in the kind of like the midsize cities like Albuquerque, like a lot of like the really large cities, it's harder for breweries to get in kind of downtown yeah. because of the, the cost to, to open tap rooms and spaces. But Holly, what are your thoughts? Do you have anything to add? Like, are there any breweries that maybe we haven't hit on that you would want to include an itinerary for someone visiting from out of state or out of country uh, for their first time in Albuquerque? Oh, well, sidetracks would always be my top pick because it's one of the few places I found that I can uh, get car scale. Um, uh, I agree with Chris that it, it's definitely more of a driving city. I'm one of the few people who uh, doesn't have a car here. So what I would say if you are stuck with um, uh, just getting buses and things like that would be um, the uh, uh, Albuquerque Rapid Transit buses uh, that they have. They're much better than they used to be, actually. So um, I think basing yourself downtown is a great idea. Um, if you uh, get the bus to the Knob Hill area, there's the Bosque Brewing Tap Room and also Tractor. Um, and there's a couple of other breweries that are sort of walkable-ish from that area as well. Um, going the other way, um, out-of-town visitors will always want to see Old Town, uh, where there's Ponderosa. Is it, is it Ponderosa Brewing? Yeah. Uh, yep. yeah. And uh, there's also a Boxing Bear Tap Room there um, and another... Uh, tap room Thirsty Eye, which I'm really fond of in the East Downtown area. So there are things that you can do um, by getting the bus, but um, you know, if, if you have a car, you will have a lot more options, obviously. Yeah, and I'd like to add Ex Novo. Um, definitely, okay. if you get the chance, yes. mm-hmm. drive out to Corrales. There, they have a beer garden now that's about uh, half acre. It's beautiful. So yeah, it's 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 gorgeous oh, out there. 
a good option for your first stop. Go there and yeah, then yeah. go down to Custody downtown, or vice versa. End up there. Well, maybe not. Don't do it. <laughs> you, know, you don't get you don't minutes. get second Corrales after there. Yeah, don't get second. <laughs> it's a beautiful place to visit. It's just oh, it's a beautiful place. place. It's just you know, it shuts down, and then all of a sudden, yeah. it's like, where do I go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, Holly, stick, sticking with you, you know, my, my next question is kind of talking about, I think we, we've hinted on this, some through this podcast in terms of kind of the national perception of some of the, 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 the draw that has been occurring, especially in more recent years um, with Albuquerque. And while I feel that, you know, that the area has been gaining more recognition for the craft beer scene, I still hold my belief that on the national level, Albuquerque is still very underrated. Uh, so do you feel the city has been gaining uh, more attention for its breweries kind of in recent years and is that something that you think can continue to be built on i i do agree joe that it, it is very underrated um on a national level um i do think that recognition for the brewing scene here is building and as we've already talked about i think the buzz around uh, bow and arrow is part of that um we are seeing a lot more people moving here now especially from the west coast um that's a pretty common theme in the southwest recently so yeah, I think um, it is building. I think it will continue to grow as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chris, what about you? Because as, as someone that's, you know, you've written the book on history, you've been there now for decades that for, for, from what it started out as and how it has grown, you know, where do you feel like Albuquerque lies in terms of the national perception and, and, and where it kind of goes from here? I, you know, we're not up at the Denver, Portland level of things yet. Um, I, I'm sure people would aspire at this point to probably the Asheville, North Carolina level. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I think they're, they're just even more hyper-concentrated though, in terms of the number of breweries and their, with their population. Uh, but it, it's getting there. I, I think, you know, obviously things were, we had positive momentum going. We had uh, three breweries win a national brewery of the year award at GABF, uh, Marble, Boxing Bear and Raleigh Farmhouse Sales. And then um, you throw in the, the positive attention in general for La Cumbre and, um and ex novo and and bow and arrow and then you know covid stopped a lot of that and but you know we're starting to see tourism come back um i saw plenty of out-of-state license plates when i was at a dinner tonight so people are already arriving early for the balloon fiesta which is the biggest uh, annual event draw in our in our city um and, and you know you you generally find people come here and they they love to you know explore everything you know they're going to explore the food the sites, but the breweries have become a big part of that. And um, I think in general, you know, our breweries have generated, I, we haven't had any bad news come out of our breweries, which is, and you think, you know, on a national perspective, you think of what's happened in recent years for, you know, founders, for uh, Boulevard, for, you know, various other places, there, there have been issues and we've, I don't know if we're lucky or, you know, we really are just on our best behavior out here, but um compared to a lot of our New Mexico's reputation nationally when it comes to alcohol was not good. You know, we, we were not, we were seen as a state with a high number of DWIs. And, um, but I, I think in a way, you know, as I got older, you know, I was attracted to craft breweries because they weren't bars. They're not, they're not aggressive places. They're not angry places. They're not drink your sorrows places. They're just come together, harmonize, um, I talked to the mayor about this. I talked to one of our senators about this. You know, we need public houses. We we do. We 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 need pubs. We need beer gardens. We need the kind of places where people can come together and actually talk to one another and not be, you know, consumed by this or that. So, 
I, I think, you know, it's just one of these things that's going to, it's just going to keep building um, as long as the economy permits it. And as long as we don't um, like the rest of the Southwest start running into any water issues, which, you know, is, is a concern, but not an immediate one for everybody out here. Yeah. Well, and so, and Leah, you, you talked about kind of the whole quality versus quantity thing and how, you know, taking home awards at, you know, whether it be World Beer Cup, GABF has, has spurred on uh, kind of the reputation of New Mexico as well. But wh where do you feel it kind of lies in terms of the city's beer scene still kind of being underrated at, at, on like a national perspective, at least? Yeah, I definitely agree with Holly and Chris. It's, it's very underrated. And I think Albuquerque in general is very underrated. I think people here, they might know about balloons. They might know about Breaking Bad, which is kind of a bummer because it's like about crystal meth. And then, you know, that whole scene, even though it was an amazing show, um, there's so much more to what Albuquerque is. And so I think it's really cool that oftentimes how we were talking about bow and arrow, bringing national attention and people that are big beer nerds and they geek out to it and they, they want to go travel for breweries. I think it's incredible that, uh, Bow and Arrow is helping to boost our tourism because I think, and like you, Chris, I've, I've spoken with the mayor and I've spoken with the governor and uh, we talk about, I don't think I coined this, but I say your tourism is so real. And I think that because Albuquerque is kind of underrated and New Mexico as a whole um, and sort of an underpopulated state, I think our census came out and maybe we just hit 2 million for the whole state and it's a pretty big state. Um but I think that uh, people are coming here for the beer, which is so cool. And Holly, you can speak on that more than I can. But I know that when I travel, I don't necessarily travel to see a brewery. I travel for another thing, but I know there's breweries there. And I definitely always go find where they are. But I think people are really coming here to to see breweries, to visit breweries. Holly, did you want to add in like, with, with, from what Leah said there? Yeah, um, I, I, I really agree. Um, I think... Um, New Mexico and, and Albuquerque are great places to visit for so many different reasons, uh, especially in, if you're into outdoor activities, hiking, camping, climbing, mountain biking, all of that. Uh, this is a fantastic place for anyone who enjoys road trips, who's looking for a great jumping off point for everything this beautiful part of the country has to offer. And uh, the breweries are a really big bonus. Um, but I do think in time uh, we're going to see more people coming here for the beer scene as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, and so Leah, coming coming back to you, uh, I was looking through, you know, kind of some some articles, and a few years ago, there was one in the Albuquerque Business First that discussed uh, what makes the New Mexico beer scene unique. And and one of the quotes of of yours from that article discussed kind of the unique ingredients, such as green chilies and prickly pear, that are available. So, do you feel that having these kind of specialized local ingredients can be a differentiating factor for the local beer scene? Absolutely. And by the way, you have to know it's green chili. I know you don't know that because you don't live here, but <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> we don't pluralize it. That's how you always know it's somebody from somewhere else. But no, I'm just giving you a hard time. Um, yeah, I think and that's to be said for any region, really. I, I think um, if you can capitalize on and forage on your local you know, things that grow that are just unique to your area, I think that does nothing but help your product. Right. And for beer, it's super exciting. I remember a time and I'm sure everybody can relate to this where it was just like the Ryan Heist bought, I never say right, but the, the you know, just the, <laughs> we only have these simple ingredients and that's it. And there was so much judgment because people were trying new ingredients. Now it's like everything under the sun. I know we have glitter, we have everything, but I think 
it's finally acceptable. And some of it is really awesome. It's really creative. Um, you know, I saw recently somebody, Christy might remember this, somebody's going to do something with rosemary. And I can't remember the other ingredient, but rosemary grows plentiful here. It's, it's a low water plant. It grows in big bushes. We cook with it a lot. Um, the green chili, which we are really known for, is incredible. There's been a lot of loggers that have, have tried to infuse that. Um, those, uh, yeah, the, the prickly pears, that's been used a lot. I think that any region you're in, if you can if you can capitalize on your local stuff that you can forage, I think that's incredible for beer. I'm not one that's going to judge if it's not just three or four ingredients in a beer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you. I, I love when I visit somewhere and I'm able to go to a brewery and have something that's like, like a truly a local flavor. So Holly, what are there any breweries that kind of stick out to you when you think of using local flavors? Uh, well, bow and arrow for sure. Um, I don't think I've actually had any uh, chili beer myself. I, I think I may have had one actually. Um, and it was, it was a dark beer, which I, I thought was, I thought was nice because I think often you see it in a pale ale and um, especially if it's hopped, I don't always think that goes I don't think it goes with that that well, but um, I always think spicy and sweet things go well together. So with a bit of sort of chocolatey sweetness from a dark malt and the chili, that actually goes quite well. I think that's the only one I've had. Um, I think there's, there's a number of breweries that have used um, blue corn in a lager differential, I believe, which is uh, mostly sort of lager and European style focused brewery um, has done that. Um I can't think of any others at the moment, but I'm sure there's a few doing uh, fruited beers that have used some local ingredients as well. Yeah, oh. Chris, do you have anything to jump in here with any of Wait, those? Chris, I know you better, say. you better say. And can we step outside of Albuquerque for a minute? Yeah, that's fine. Chris, talk about the 100% local beer. Oh, yeah. Beer, beer Creek. Yeah, so Beer Creek uh, is a brewery on Highway 14, which is the road. Uh, it's known as the Turquoise Trails, south of Santa Fe. So it runs south of Santa Fe and then across the East Mountains behind here. Um, and so Beer Creek, it's it's a little brewery, literally in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it's run by some great people. They actually now have beers that are made with 100% New Mexico grown barley, 100% uh, New Mexico grown hops. They even own, they co-own a hop farm right down the street. And uh, and then of course the yeast is, is all made here too. So yeah, they're, they're starting to do that now. Um, for Holly, if you go up to Red River Brewing right now, they have a uh, chocolate and green chili stout. Ooh, and uh, yeah, and and Red River is a cool place to go too. Uh, locally, you know, Steelbender. I mean, almost all of their fruited beers are made with fruit grown in the village of Los Ranchos, where they're located, which is literally right down the road from the brewery. Yeah, um, Ex Novo's done a lot of that too, with with things grown in Corrales. Um, a lot of agriculture in the in the North Valley area where those are located. Um, let's see, Bosky, of course, does a lot with, um, with local ones and Bosky's, I believe their best selling beer is still elephants on parade, which is a fruited wheat. Um, but another huge seller for them, which is, and this is, you know, there are differences in the state of New Mexico. We are the fifth largest in land area. So there are some differences in parts of the state in Las Cruces, which is down close to El Paso. Pickle beers. <laughs> They have, they have it. They, they now have a year round beer called pickle down economics. It's a pickle, yeah. pickle goes. And, uh, that one, that one's huge. And I found out from people in El Paso. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, pickle beers kind of trickled up or just the level of pickles kind of came up from Texas and into Southern New Mexico. Um, but you know, spotted dog brewing in Las Cruces, they do a lot of like, uh, a lot of their beers have 
locally grown wheat in them um, and, and various other ingredients. And we do have a thriving pecan growing industry in this state. And the uh, De La Vega's pecan brown ale has been on store shelves for as long as I can remember. So Yeah. Um, and actually, I'm glad you brought up a lot of spruces, Chris, because I did want to mention, what did you say there are now? I'm, I'm out of it. So it's about 44 breweries now in Albuquerque? Yeah. For like to have 100 in the state now, I think when I stepped away, we were just under 100, which was, you know, at the beginning of this year um, from my role with the Brewers Guild. Uh, more than half used to just be in the Albuquerque metro area, more than half of those breweries when it was, you know, 80 something or whatever it was. So it's so cool now to see Las Cruces is growing. It's a college town. It's down near the border of Texas. And um, it's, it's people come over from Texas now in, on a day trip, you know, because it's not far from El Paso to come have our beer, which is so cool. And up north we're growing. So there's a lot of movement, just not in, not just in Albuquerque. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and so the next question, though, we are going to kind of back focus in again on on Albuquerque. And so I want I'm going to have each all three of you create a flight of four beers to kind of represent the local beer scene. And this can be focused on certain styles, certain breweries, just personal favorites, kind of whatever you you see fit. Uh, There are no real rules to this other than picking four beers from local breweries. Uh, So, Chris, you can you can lead the way on, on this one. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think if I wanted to do like four lagers, um, four IPAs, or just uh, four weird beers. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, we, we first came to people's attention for, for our versions of the West Coast IPA. Because um, it's, slight, it's slightly different. It's slightly different than what you're eating in California. Uh, so I would say Elevated IPA from La Cumbre. Um, Chris, you're stealing mine. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you, can, you can double dip technically if you, if you okay. want to. It, it, okay. that, that's not, a, a, you know, against the rules necessarily. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Exodus IPA at Canteen, um, which is one. I think it's won the New Mexico IPA Challenge more than any other IPA. And then uh, you got to go, especially the Bloom Fiesta, you got to go with Mass Ascension IPA from Ex Novo. And the last one's the hardest because, you know, everyone I don't mention now is going to be mad. I um, I, I try to play neutral here, but um, I I'd probably go with uh, Uppercut IPA from Oxenbear. That's a you know because they've won the IPA challenge the most in recent years that we do yeah, out here, for sure. Uh, so Holly, uh, how about you go next? Well, uh, I think the first couple on my list would be as we mentioned earlier on um, a bit more of a varied flight for me. So I'd start with the denim tux from Bow and Arrow. A nice that would be in mine too. Perfect pick. Blue, blue corn American Pilsner. Uh, moving on to uh, Elephants on Parade from Bosque Brewing. Uh, it's a slightly tart, uh, fruited wheat ale. Uh, still one of my favourite beer names of all time. Um, and then the double white from Marble. Uh, it's a Belgian-inspired ale with coriander and orange. Uh, finishing with, uh, yeah, it's got to be the Mass Ascension IPA um, topical with our balloon festival coming up so soon. Very nice. Very, very good list. Uh, and then, Leah, what about you? Well, okay. I'm, I'm trying to switch it up a little bit here because I definitely, my number one was going to say elevated IPA. If you want a true West Coast, um, many beer forums have picked it over Pliny the Elder, if that gives you any idea. So I just think it's a it's an excellent, excellent West Coast IPA. But um, I, so I'll, stick, I'll stick with that one. 
Um, I also was going to do blue corn, but I think switching it up. And since we were talking about the local foraging, and if you want something that's a little bit more on the sour uh, side of things, raspberry dynamite from Steelbender is a really refreshing, uh, surprising beer for people that I had tried that aren't really into sours with that style and they really enjoy it. Um, and then uh, I guess I'm going to go back to La Cumbre because I just think it's such an excellent year-round stout. I'm a person that likes to drink stouts year-round. I think the Malpai stout is just, it's always good. It's always just a wonderful IPA, or I mean, sorry, stout. Um, and then, oh God, and I was going to say double white too, because Marvel's really known for that. It's not a style I prefer at all, but man, it is so popular. And so I think I like how Holly went on the very um, flights. I'm kind of, so I kind of, you guys, beat me to a lot of those <laughs> yeah no that, that that's well you know it's, it's good to kind of make sure that we're giving the, the extra special beers getting the bonus shout out and and speaking of kind of some shout outs here now that we've done the individual beers uh i want to kind of go back through here and what three breweries that either maybe we've discussed or haven't mentioned yet uh do you want to kind of give uh an extra shout out to for one reason or another leah you can lead us off this time okay um i'm gonna give a shout out to Beer Creek Brewing that Chris spoke of earlier. Super cool owners, just really wonderful vibe that they're having up there. And I'm going to say best patio in all of New Mexico. It's my favorite patio in all of New Mexico. So it's definitely a road trip thing. Um, go up there, visit the request trail, go through Madrid, um, and then come back to Albuquerque. Um, how many of you want us to shout out? Uh, three. Three. Three is perfect. Okay. Um, I also would like to shout out for Sidetrack because I know we've talked about them here already in this uh, little segment, but I think what they're doing is really awesome because they don't ever want to scale up and they don't ever want to, um, at least last time I spoke with them, they don't ever want to have a canning line. They just want you to come in and fill your growler and they're just rural neighborhood vibe and they're, it's always warm and cozy there. And I just like that they just want to keep it how it is. It's, it's, that's kind of cool. Because most breweries, it's great if you're successful, keep growing. So I love them for that. Um, they just really want to stay true to the neighborhood vibe. And then finally, oh, my God, the pressure. Um, yeah, I changed. I, I used to ask it and what your three favorites were, but I didn't want anybody having to play favorites. So I just yeah. rephrased it so that way it's just what three breweries do you want to give a shout out to for one reason or another? Yeah. And I guess the other one I'm going to say is um, Canteen because they are, and, and this is not saying other breweries don't do this too, because I know a lot of people are probably going to be like, yeah, you know, we do stuff like that too. It's not about that. It's about how often they're doing it. Canteen is continually finding ways to give back to the community to tons of causes. There's a lot of breweries that are very philanthropic here in New Mexico, but Canteen will tie it into, you know, come get your bike tuned up and buy a pint. You'll get a free class and we'll give, you know, 50% of your purchase to this great cause. And I just feel like they're always doing that. And it's so cool. And they also get, um, they're very interactive with bike rides and scavenger hunts and going on, you know, 5k runs, get a free pint at the end with your admission. And so I, I, I think I'll give a shout out to Canteen for that. They're awesome. Absolutely. Uh, Holly, what about you? What, what, what three breweries would you like to give kind of a special shout out to here as we wrap things up? Yeah. Um, Sidetracks is always my favorite. Um, all the reasons that Leah said, I really love what they do. Uh, Gravity Bound are just um, so consistently fantastic. It's great to have another neighborhood bar like that in downtown now. 
Um, I also want to shout out to uh, Bosque Brewing, who, uh, much like Canteen, have had some great uh, philanthropic initiatives, uh, especially during the pandemic. And fantastic food as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chris, what, what about you? What are your three? I'm sorry. I'm like, knock a few off my list, please. Um, let's see. I'll take, um, you know, one, it's it's one of the older breweries in town, and it's Tractor. And Tractor is probably the brewery that specializes most in events. I mean, they, they do such a wide variety. It's not just stick a guy with a guitar in the corner. Um, they do a lot of charity there, charity work there, too. Um, but just, just the sheer variety of events. You can go see belly dancers. They host horror movie nights. They um, they do this thing every Halloween called the Stranger Things Arcade Carnival, which is just this massive um, kind of ridiculous endeavor. They're they're really tied into the theater scene here in town, um, you know. And now they're producing not just beer and cider, but they also got their own line of spirits too. So um, you know, they're one of those places where you can take your non beer drinking friends there, and uh, they'll be fine. Um, Another place uh, more recent, um, it's the sidetrack of the Northeast Heights. So smack in the most residential part of the city is a resource brewing. And they're just, just a tiny little place tucked away in a shopping center, no TVs, just conversation. Um, the, the owners are absolutely charming. They, they're serious animal lovers. So, you know, they're almost always doing something for, to help out uh, animal shelters and rescue groups and, and everybody else, they've raised money for people with like, you know, the mobile pet vans for uh, uh, healthcare for animals in rural areas even. And they've just done a fantastic job. And they have some really good loggers. I mean, they, they have to be the only brewery in town where the majority of people come in and ask for the Schwartz beer. <laughs> um, so those two, and then my third one, I- I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Nexus. Um, you know, they're, they're very unique in the fact that they are the, um, the only African-American owned brewery in the city. Uh, they have two locations, and the food menu is different in both. They they specialize in New Mexican soul food at the main location, so um, it's a lot of you know classic soul food dishes, whether it's like gumbo, chicken, waffles, these kind of things. But they'll often add a New Mexico twist. Uh, their hot chicken is legitimately like death, but some people like death. So you know, if, like you like, if you like death, go eat go eat the hot chicken. Otherwise, and it's amazing with that lager. Oh yeah, their their house lot. What's what's the name of it? The one that's just always on. Orale. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. What a yeah. great combination. The heat and the yeah. Yeah, and so they you know they do a great job. And there are other locations barbecue, um, also with a lot of Southwest twist to it. You know, uh, the the red chili barbecue sauce is tremendous, and and yeah, you know, and, and they've they've reached out I think to a a, a different community in a way um, that you know, otherwise wouldn't have a lot of necessary representation amongst the breweries. And, you know, with, with Nexus Blue, their second location, um, having completed their expansion now, they've got a stage in there, they're, they're doing live music. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's the same brewery, but it's two different experiences in different parts of town. So I'll give a shout out to uh, Ken Carson and his staff. Good call. I'm glad you did that because I love Ken so much and I can't believe we didn't mention Nexus. But you yeah. did, you did. <laughs> well, 
Awesome. Well, this has been awesome, you guys. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed getting to hear more about the Albuquerque craft beer scene. Like I said, it's a city that I've had some experience in, but would love to get more. Uh, so to kind of wrap things up here, let's we can conclude with kind of any final thoughts, conclusions about the Albuquerque craft beer scene, why people should come check it out, et cetera, et cetera, as well as giving a shout out if there's any ways for people to be able to reach out to you in case they have any follow ups or want to reach out and have you know questions about the beer scene. Uh, Holly, what about you? Yeah, um, if anyone ever wants uh, any advice on the beer scene here, they are welcome to reach out to me. Um, I am Globe Hops on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me at hollystevens.com. Absolutely. And uh, Chris? Yeah, so uh, if you just search Darkside Brew Crew, we're amazingly the only one. Um, it's not a Star Wars reference, by the way. I need to point that out. So <laughs> Disney does not get mad at me. Uh, it's, we, we like metal and black shirts and black you know, dark beers and stuff like that. Uh, anyway, uh, you can find us on uh, all social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. And yeah, and we're, we're just, we're out and about. And if you're in Albuquerque, you can always look for my book. They sell it at Walgreens. Those are all places. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I am uh, Leah Black Attack on Twitter and Nomadic Leah Black on Instagram and I do want to say it was great, Joel, how you were talking about in other cities. I'm grateful for it. And I'm glad you brought it up so we don't take it for granted. But um, you know that you have to drive to different parts of the city. And you can do that here. But it is cool how there's a concentrated area where you can just leave a car, be safe, find a place that you're going to stay that night, Airbnb or a hotel, and just bounce around. So I just really want to give a shout out. If you come down to Albuquerque, just know that you can do that. Absolutely. Well, and I, and I hope to be able to make my way back down there at some point. And if you are a new listener, you can find me on Twitter at Brewery Travels, on Instagram at Brewery underscore Travels, or the website TheBreweryTravels.com, where you can find old articles I've written, links for all the past podcast episodes, merch, interactive maps, all that kind of good stuff. And as always, remember, whether it's where you're visiting or where you're living, be sure to drink local everywhere. <laughs>